Hey guys, welcome to episode 13 of Carinel Talks. It's me, Carrington. And me, Jordan. Before we start this episode, I just want to give a big shout out to one of our sponsors, Pops Resale. And today we have an interesting guest. His name is Armando Diaz, and he is from Working With Saints. We had so much fun talking to him. We really dive into many different topics, and I honestly have learned so much just in the short time that I've spoke with him. He's a great conversationalist, right? Oh, definitely. You have to really pay attention to his metaphors and analogies because I really think they're great symbolism for his um, industry and environment. My name is Armando Diaz. I'm from Lexington, Kentucky, and I'm the creative director and founder at Working with Saint. What does the name Working with Saint like stand for or mean? A lot of a lot of churches have all these like relics related to stuff in the past, um, and they some of these relics have been created and are part of you know the structure, the architect of you know very awesome cathedrals, um, and so the word saint for us is creating timeless work and it's going to be outliving almost all of us here combined. So tell us about how you built working with saint. Where did the idea come from? How long have you been working on it? All of this started back in 2018, and it was at first helping out friends who were, you know, launching new music careers, launching startups, um, and really needed help telling their story through branding and design. And so I found myself, you know, uh, launching campaigns for musicians and launching campaigns for a couple startups in the city. And from there on out, it, you know, the work got more, uh, got more, more bigger and crazier and cooler. Um, so I brought on uh, my first co-founder, Eliza Gray. So she's in Philly right now. Uh, and so we put our heads together. And that's when we were able to, uh, you know, to figure out what working, working with Saint was and what we do. So, like, how do you find all these different brands and, like, products and projects? Like, how do you do it? Like, do these, like, brands reach out to you? Do you reach out to them? And also, like, how do you differentiate between, like, artists and just, like, other brands and stuff like that yeah uh so the reason yeah to answer that how people reach out to us and how we reach out to them um a lot of it was just for the past like even even to this day it's just me reaching out to people on instagram linkedin uh going to events left and right whether if it's a startup and talking to a founder and like trying to listen to their story the story of the product and following up with them uh to even going to house shows you know going to the most random house shows in like dayton ohio we're going to, uh, you know, anything happening here and seeing what musicians need and what kind of pain points do they have with design. Um, and from there on out, we, we kind of figure out a, a strategy, a game plan, and then start bringing the rest of the team on. When we differentiate musicians, uh, we kind of look at them as entrepreneurs. You know, they're really not, the musicians are no different than um, someone who's launching, a, you know, a startup for a tech product or a tech service. Uh, just because musicians have to rethink how they're going to grow their audience, what their consumers are listening to, uh, and looking at it, where do I belong and where, what kind of institutions do I need to surround myself by in order to, uh, you know, really have a strong foot and a foundation in what I'm trying to pursue as a musician. Musicians also got to worry about sales, they got to worry about merch, they got to worry about brand partnerships. So really, when you look at the life of a musician and how they operate, it's, it's no different than a startup. And we're, we're all for that ride and all for that journey. 
Um, and so one of the people we've been working with was Sunmates. Sunmates is a really cool uh, organic synth pop band here in, in Lexington. And so we spent a lot of the early days uh, just listening to them, figuring out their tone of voice, their brand positioning, and where they want to see themselves, you know, in two years, you know, five years and 10 years. And it's cool to work with a, with a musician and, and hear their perspective kind of like a founder. So you are also a student, or you were also a student at UK. Um, how did UK aid in um, creating this? Yeah, you know, it's crazy too, because the whole team is from UK. Everyone went to UK. Uh, I, always, I had classes with a lot of the people, a lot of the folks, um, and I had just known a few from just hanging out and getting to know people. Uh, UK definitely shifted my perspective, because it was like the best place to experiment, best place to, to meet people who are in the South or Midwest, whatever you want to categorize like then, and you know, we all know this, like, we're not Chicago, we're not Atlanta. Uh, we're definitely not, um, you know, this huge city with a lot of resources and people coming through. It is, a, like I said, it's like a college town. So the University of Kentucky for me was just always a place where you're, you can sit down with people and have honest conversations and figure out um, you know, where they went ahead as a musician or as a founder, as a designer, as an entrepreneur, um, as a fashion stylist. It was, it, I think UK is the best place to, to find people who are, who know that we've got, a, we've got a lot of limitations on us uh, and a lot of parameters to work with and we're going to find our way around it. So how do you do your best to really honor being the center of so many different diverges when it comes to culture? You know, you said we're not really the Midwest, we're kind of in the South, we have a little bit of the bluegrass vibe. How do you really, you know, brand that with your work? Yeah, uh, when it comes to when it comes to branding clients, you know, we work with people from Austin, we work with people from Cincinnati, Louisville, um, and we're always, you know, we, we always listen to, to problems and figure out how we use design to solve those problems specifically on a brand side and a product design side. So um, that's, that's the unique part for us and how we can show people that from Lexington and from Louisville and from the state of Kentucky, yo, we think the same as the same, all the designers who are at SCAD, all the designers who are at RSID, everyone on the East Coast and West Coast, uh, we're just as talented, if not even more able to problem solve because we don't have capital. Like we don't have, um, like a lot of money and a lot of um, a lot of outside influence. So in reality, we think about it, we are going to become a lighthouse. Like this whole region is going to be a lighthouse, not just for tech, but also for the music scene itself. I have a question. So like since your company is like really small and you guys are like, seem like you're all over the place, how has like COVID affected how you like talk to your brands, how you interact yeah, with each really other? Like since you guys are new that's so difficult the timely question that everybody yeah. you've gotten yeah no that um that so company culture is super duper important to me i care about that first week before anything else so we've got a really cool um kind of like an organizational ecosystem we don't really call it an organizational like chart like who's on who we we have an ecosystem that we we look around and for us you know we're we're open with the way we communicate, the way we're structured, and even to having open conversations about finances. Um, you don't really see that in a lot of startups. You don't really see that in a lot of companies who are like 80, 120 people deep, especially in the creative agency space. Um, this type of transparency doesn't really exist. So with me, like company culture and going remote, uh, you know, it's always a challenge and we're trying to figure this stuff out. 
you know, we're, we're going here for four day work, four day work days, you know, we're, there's no need to work five days a week, you know, four days, four days is fine. And um, we're also more focused on actually creating goals that are built around personal growth and not profit. So people first, not profit. Um, and that kind of helps us figure out like, how do we work better remote as we're trying to communicate. Uh, we do a lot of cool workshops with digital products that help improve communication and help pick up on like everyone's emotional intelligence and figure out people's super superpowers. Uh, as far as like getting clients on it, it's been like crazy. Like COVID has actually made things go faster. Uh, so we've been getting more and more work um, since COVID hit. That's so awesome. I really want to know more about why you call it an ecosystem and what parallels you've kind of drawn from that word. What is the, like, what's the substance? When, for us, like, when we talk about design and branding and marketing and all this stuff, all the us, those are just concepts. Like, you use those concepts to kind of, you know, use those concepts to problem solve. So we always see when we work with clients, especially me, you know, I never want to give you a working with Saint strategy. This is your you know, if we were to rebrand KR now, this is your all's strategy. This is your vision. So for me, I always orbit around other people's ideas and help them come to life. I never interject or cause, you know, you to go in the wrong direction. I just orbit. So having this idea of everyone orbiting around each other in a really cool company ecosystem is way, way more effective and efficient um, than your typical organizational chart. Yeah, so I was curious, you said that if not all, like most of your employees are UK students or former UK students. So how did you meet them? Was this like a plan? Like, I just yeah. think it's cool <laughs> that you're working with like people you went to high or college with. Nah, yeah, like that's uh, that, that's a question that a lot of people are asking me and I just don't know. I think it just, it kind of happened. I, uh, I talked to Abby, Abby Green. So she's our senior designer and director. We had a lot of classes together. And so she always, uh, she just tell me that like, I would never, I would never listen to like project rubrics, uh, and I would just go on completely different things, tangents. Uh, and so she was one of those people that like also had like crazy ideas in college and like was pushing really cool work. And so we always kept in contact um, with designers who were really pushing the limit of design and coming up with some cool stuff. Uh, Reba, Reba was at WRFL, and she uh, has an experience in in agriculture. So she's not a designer, but she is in the product. Uh, she's our product manager in operations. Um, and so she kind of sees the way we operate in this ecosystem we're trying to create also like a greenhouse because, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be the tallest plant in a greenhouse. I'm trying to create this environment, uh, this atmosphere where everyone can thrive. And I'm only here to, you know, reinforce that and serve everyone else on the team. Gabe, Gabe Tomlin, he's our senior writer. He's also, um, you know, I think I met him at Waffle House, the one by Cookout. I just met him there, just sat down and started talking with him and figuring out like, you know, what he's doing, like what's up. And at that time, I think he was filming like a little short film with his friends uh, in that Waffle House. And I just so happened to stumble upon the set. And that was like super cool to see that. Um, <laughs> Eliza, the same thing. Like she's just a uh, badass designer and has like always caught uh, my attention when we were presenting work and just cool stuff. So uh, I just met everyone through through campus and just seeing their work, and some of them were were uh, super lucky and very fun uh, interactions. So being such like an unstructured person or such a creative person, I know Carrington and I have had this conversation multiple times. It's kind of difficult to live in the walls of the university or live in the walls of like the boundaries. So how right. did you, while you were in college, kind of expand your knowledge and figure out what passionate we what you were passionate about and how can others? 
Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So for designers who are taking, you know, those classes that are based around projects, uh, sometimes they're monthly projects or they're end of the year projects. Sorry, sorry for those students who who are taking design classes that are monthly projects or have a big final project at the end. Uh, I always calibrated them in the rubric to be something that could test my skills and help me see a picture beyond just craft. So I personally think that um, in design school, it is built around helping you master a craft and helping you, you know, fine tune it as much as you can within your time. Uh, and sometimes you lose the thinking behind it and how you can problem solve and help be someone who can, who can work towards a strategy because uh, at the end of the day, designers don't design by themselves and designers don't design for robots. You know, we, we design with other people and we design for people. Uh, and sometimes that can, that kind of structure isn't existing right now in, in a lot of, uh, a lot of design classes. Could you speak about like your fondest memories when you were at UK? I'm curious. I, I, I got to study abroad. That, that, that was cool. Like I, I got, I got to go see designers in Korea who are like our, our age. And that was cool to see how young people in another country were translating design and like using it in their community, using it in their work and using it to literally solve problems. And the way I see it is like, kind of like skaters, like you can go, you can be a skater here at Woodland Park and you would go to Japan or you could go to like Germany and you'll see that skate culture is, is, uh, is very similar. And like you find people, you find your tribe. And I kind of saw that with design uh, as soon as I went to, went to Korea and, and got to, Got to meet people over there doing cool stuff like around our age. So you talked kind of about those similarities when you went over to Korea. Can you talk about some of the differences that you brought back and that you have infused into your work? Yeah, like Korean designers really care about accessibility. Uh, I was like, I was shopping for milk and like the milk had Braille on it. And it was like, you could open it if you were, you, 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 you know, for whatever reasons you could, you were uh, handicapped with, with hand and like trying to pour milk. So um, the fact that Korean designers think about accessibility and they think about like, how am I going to create a project for, or a product? How am I going to create a physical product that somebody can use, um, with, with these limitations? That's super cool. And I think like American designers don't think that about all the time. Even when you design a gig poster for a band, you know, what if I can use colors that anybody can read? So that way people are colorblind, um, or, using a font that's a little bit more accessible because what if some of our our audience members are foreign exchange students and don't speak english could we create a font that if i were to translate this in chinese everything would translate right and it would be just as a cool poster in english as it is in chinese so that type of thinking i really got to see that and experience that in, in, in south korea it says that in your bio on your company website that you have a background in tech and music could you like go into that? Yeah, my background in tech and music is mainly working with a lot of bands and artists and musicians and just helping them come up with a game plan um, that when they get to the stage uh, for them to ask for a record deal or think about how else they want to raise money, uh, they can really have leverage and show that, hey, my branding as a musician really carries a lot of weight and I need these resources to get to my next milestone. At the end of the day, record labels are just banks. So viewing them like a partnership, viewing them like as an investor is, is where I step in from my tech background 
to then talk to musicians and help them, uh, you know, strategize or come up with a strategy for, you know, two months, two years, you know, five years for, you know, for their success. I love making music, uh, but that's like on the side. <laughs> Tell us more about that then. Tell us more about your, your creative side with music. Yeah, I got a cello. I play cello. Oh, wow. Okay. How do you, tell us about your cello. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. What type of music do you do? How did you, you get do, into like, that? Classical or? <laughs> no, I mean, like, I just listened to Gunna's new album. Uh, and that, like, that was, like, really cool. Uh, and I'm, like, everywhere, yo. Like, like you look at my Spotify. My Spotify rap was crazy. Like, it just did not make sense. It did not make sense. And I think the people at Spotify were also like, what? <laughs> like, what? You can actually listen to all this type of music? Uh, no, I, uh, no, I do, I do like, I do like being around musicians and I've played the cello since the fourth grade. So it's something that calms me down. It just helps me think and, and step outside from all the physical, or sorry, it helps me step outside from all the digital stuff that I do every day and just enjoy the physical moment with, with making music. Definitely. Talk, pivoting back more um, to your company, your Instagram has a lot of posts that are artists that you've worked with. Can you talk about some of them? Maybe your favorites. I'll work. I'll, I'll talk about Sunmates because they're they're very uh, they're very cool. And the founder, you know, the, the lead musician John, uh, he's very cool in the way he thinks and just his whole process. I met John because we have well, John and I have the same birthday, so that's how we first you know kind of knew each other. <laughs> um, uh, he reached out to me, yeah, like in 2018 and just needed help. I think he just needed like a gig poster. And I'm like, yo, like I might not have all the time in the world to like design gig posters, but I'm going to, I'm going to set you up with like a cool design system that you it can make it look like you're making a lot of posters, but you're not. And that kind of just started out and started going to the studio more and seeing how they, how they, how they experiment and create a lot of awesome music. Uh, so they make organic synth pop music. It's, it's something that's um, about to take off very soon. Uh, organic synth pop is is more of a glassy sound. So think of Maggie Rogers uh, mixed in with what The Weeknd just dropped recently. Um, so that's a very cool niche and an untapped audience that um, has, you know, that has yet to be grown and yet to be built in order for everyone to, uh, you know, catch on to this. So how long do these projects typically take? So they take... All the way from idea to like... Right, right, right. So we have a rule. We have the 80-20 rule. So it we spend 20% of research. Or sorry, no, let me go back. The 80-20 rule. Uh, so we do 80% of research, 20% design. So a lot of research is understanding the market, understanding who you are, your voice, your narrative, and your, your mission to Mars for whatever industry you're in. And that's where a lot of that superpower that I have is just having really awesome conversations and, and being able to understand someone else's mind. All that came from was like understanding musicians because they're super duper creative. Like they are also you know thinking about the same way. Um, and so when we sit down with clients, you know, they really get a lot more conversations and a lot more meetings and writing workshops than actual design workshops and the actual, uh, you know, concepts that we bring to life. Uh, for a project like Sidon, it takes around a month, about a month to launch a brand because we're able to do design sprints. So, you know, we, we, we took from Google. Google does design sprints all the time for like their features and stuff. Um, and so we apply that to branding and we apply that to launching products as well. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's how, we, that's how we roll. And not a lot of agencies are that agile and nimble to, to take on really cool projects 
like this and also solve them in such a fast rate because we just we're just able to compress that time of design because we're we spent 80 percent of research it's so calculated that 20 percent is just the final the final takeoff so that is that 20 percent what the sprint is can you talk a little bit more about what the sprint is for yeah yeah it's so the sprint for all those logos we you know we, we had a week less than a, we have four days um to create so we had four days to ideate, create, test, and and present um, the, these these logos that we we thought of. And in those four days, there were no time to like perfect, you know, the pin tool or like, you know, um, really ideate off of that. It was more of think about the story, think about the narrative, and in four days we're gonna get down to like three options, and from there we could present that those three options to the client. Um, and that just saves us time and it helps us think more critical because it's kind of like the DSLR versus the film camera. The DSLR, you can take thousands and thousands of photos. You can, you can even get a bigger memory card and just like run it up versus the film camera. You don't know how that shot's going to turn out. So you need to be more strategic uh, and plan it on, on how you're going to you know, film, you know, take a shot of something. So that's our analogy and our metaphor with how we view design is that it's, it's, it's too calculated right now and, and we're able to, to save time. I was wondering, do you guys like get one project and like work on it and then like find another like or are you working like on multiple projects at once? Yeah, that's the cool part is that we're multi we're working on multiple projects at a time. Um, so our team has to be like super efficient in order to keep up and be able to like do this stuff and still do really cool identity and very unique work that no one else has. Um, across the state and across the region and across the U.S. So that's why we're, we're, we're like a hidden gem right now. And very soon people are going to see what we're doing and, and the type of work that we do. Um, it's the same thing when we launch a digital product for an app for a founder. We, we had spent about two months in total to launch an app. Uh, and that's kind of unheard of. And we spent a lot of time just listening and having conversations with, uh, with their customers. So when you have those conversations, what kind of key characteristics or values do you really try to pull out to understand the full all-encompassing project? That's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, that's like, a how do you ask those readable. questions? How do you build that kind of relationship is really yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, when it comes to building relationships, you know, when you're asked to rebrand someone or build their product, design their product, you know, you have you have to set some parameters and, and be on the same page about trust because a lot of these people, I mean, you all know it, like it's your baby. You've been putting so much energy, resource, resources and time, resources and time that, um, you know, handing this off to somebody, you may not be able to trust them. So for us, we have to build trust almost immediately with this person and I get it, you know, this is, this is working with saying is my baby too. So I, I totally understand if someone wanted to rebrand us, how would we feel towards it? Um, but after that, you know, coming up with these questions is, is I really start with like what Korean designers think is, you know, who is using my product? What kind of pain points are they experiencing? Why does this bring value to someone's lifestyle, to someone's productivity or to someone's, you know, um, you know, mental health? So asking those questions and calibrating what we're trying to achieve and what is the end all goal of, uh, of, your China, of what you're trying to build. For us, we're very purpose-driven. So we focused uh, on a lot of 
startups and founders that are building products that can help improve, improve people's lives. Uh, and one of them happened to be Timeout. Timeout is a mental health app for college athletes. Uh, and they are on a mission to save athletes' lives since it's, it's one of the, uh, since suicide is the, one of the top leading causes for athletes' deaths. Um, athletes very much live a, a different lifestyle than all of us, especially on, on college campuses where, you know, they have strict schedules. They have like super high expectations and they have to like perform very well. Um, so we had to spend a lot of time researching, listening to clinicians, looking at psychology reports, um, and, and listening to Maya, Maya, who's the founder, Maya McClendon, founder, CEO of Timeout, of what the product is supposed to achieve and what are the pain points that athletes are um, experiencing. So the cool thing about how we got that project is that we sold ourselves in a way that, look, we are not, we're not doctors. There's no doctors on our team. And we're definitely not athletes. Like, I don't care about sports. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know anything about sports. We like, we sold ourselves in that way until they're like, yo, because you're hiring us, you're helping create a product that will become more accessible from an outside perspective. College athletes are like really tied to performance and they're really tied to being proactive. We can't really talk the same way about the product, like how Headspace communicates and advertises us. We have to be a little bit more different. To give it all, like kind of like wrap it up too, is, is that I get this just from being honest. You know, what are the honest intentions of this product, of this service, and you as the founder, you know, what problem are you really trying to solve and why should we care? And that's a tough question, especially when you ask someone who's been building this and they're the founder, the CEO, uh, you know, but I've seen a lot of people not ask those questions and seen companies fail, people get laid off or users not benefit from, you know, products or services that someone's providing. So uh, it takes a lot of guts to ask these questions and all of, all of our team, team members everyone are working with Saint knows his responsibility and we use his responsibility to do good in the world. That's really cool. And I also wanted to say the app for athletes, that's a really cool thing because I think like college athletes are so exploited like yeah. in today's market. And so like, that's really cool. Yeah, Maya McClendon, she's really cool. Uh, she's been doing a lot of awesome stuff with mental health advocacy uh, for college athletes. And now she's launching her, her, uh, her mental health app this year. That's awesome. And we have one last question for you. We are wondering, like, what are your projections and future goals for your company? Like, let's say in the next, like, five to 10 years. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> that's also a really good question. I, I could care less about numbers and, like, you know, like, we're, like, 40 people across the world or whatever. I, I don't care about that. Um, I, I think the overall in 10 years, when we look back at our portfolio, the people we've worked with, uh, you know, we've helped make this world a more equitable, a more inclusive um, place. And by working with people who are building products that are benefiting people's lives, that's where we want to be. You know, I, I'm really not chasing the cool, trendy new CBD company, um, the new uh, um, seltzer brand for for a rebrand. I'm I, I don't care about that. I'm I'm looking for people like Maya. I'm looking like for people like Sidon. Um, and I think while we keep building and keep going with working with Saint, I think we're gonna find our crowd. And I've had a phrase that I've been saying it forever since like. 2015, you know, build it and they will come. So we're going to build this and the people we're looking for, they're going to come just like you all. We're going to be hiring soon and we need 
to keep in mind that we want to hire in our communities. We want to hire the people that we trust um, and people that deserve this opportunity more than someone who is like a senior designer from like Austin, Texas and has like crazy amount of credentials. Like I'm not chasing those people. Uh, I'm trying to chase everything homegrown and, and keep everything here, you know, Kentucky made. So, so our website is workingwithsaint.com. You can also do www.agency. Uh, hit us up on LinkedIn, same thing, uh, workingwithsaint.com or working with Saint on LinkedIn. Instagram's the same. We got a Discord channel, you can join that. Slack is the same. Uh, you know, come come join me. If anyone's listening to this and, and this fires you up, you want to build a future that 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 aligns with us, hit me up because we're fired up and we're ready to go. I know I'm fired up. This has been great. Oh yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> you are yeah. such an amazing speaker. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. This was such a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I, I appreciate y'all for doing this. Hey guys, thank you for listening to our newest episode. We had a great time talking to Armando with Working With Saint. We also just have a slight update. We are going to be switching our uploading schedule to every other Sunday so that we can bring you better guests and better content.